0: Cold Stove Podcast. We are live. I'm in Austin, Texas. NRD from parts unknown. Sorry for the hiatus last week. Had a uh, NRD was just gallivanting. Let's call it that. I've yeah, had my I mean, gallivanting weeks. He's had his gallivanting weeks. We uh, we flip flop on that front. Happy to have I'm you back, at NRD. How are you? I'm a menace, man. I don't show
1: up. I'm like Tyler Sagan at morning breakfast. Uh, yeah, this week. I just decided to skip it, so I was suspended for a week. Um, <laughs>
0: one week suspension. One week suspension.
1: I'm doing well, Brett. Uh, Excited to be back. Excited for this time of year. I know we say that a lot on this show, but we're starting to get there. We're starting to... This is my favorite time of year because it's right before when shit actually is going to go down. It's more of like, this team called about this player. These seven teams are interested in this player season. and uh, it's That's always fun, right? Because then you gets brings the fans out of it. They want to know if Timo Meyers going to New Jersey yesterday. Mm-hmm. You have to tell them no. And uh, it's where the fun begins.
0: I'd argue February 1st is the beginning of smoke season, NRD. Would you agree?
1: I would agree with that. It, a couple it, days left.
0: Smoke season is is imminent. and That means for Cold Stove listeners, more content. That's potentially multiple episode weeks. That's Twitter spaces. That's NRD and I. Maybe we'll do a live or something like that. Just. Just right. cover NRD's face up again, just like the first time we ever did anything together? Do we have to cover up NRD's face? The trade map? Whoa. Uh-oh. It was a question. I, I don't – that's up to you there, partner. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But before we get into that, NRD, your, your NRD parlay hit a couple of weeks ago. If people were listening, free money. Oh, yeah. Can we talk free about money. this? We can. I'm, I'm glad you included this in the rundown because
1: there's a clip, and I asked you, Full disclosure to people out there. I asked Brett to put this out on the show account, and he didn't because he's a <laughs> coward, and he didn't want to reveal the fact that when you listen to the clip from the episode, I think he said something to the effect that I'm out of my mind, or I was crazy, or you wanted to chain me up and put me in the asylum. So, something I mean, like,
0: I think you were you were very confident in the Jaguars, and I was not. Is that what it and was? And it was never in
1: doubt. That game was not in doubt at any point.
0: No. Never.
1: <laughs> Everything... Hit exactly, it happened exactly. How I said it was going to happen, so there were some people out there. Thanks to the uh, the Cold Stone faithful that rode with NRD and the NRD pol- uh, parlay. Glad you guys made some cash. Thanks to our uh, friends at DraftKings for that.
0: And here's how you make cash this weekend there are four NFL teams, two conference, champion, two conference championship games left. How about that? And only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. Uh, Mahomes with a bum ankle NRD this weekend. I think the the people are gonna take a lot of stock in that. So I, I am going, I'll probably go Chiefs and the over. Start up that parlay, and maybe I'll parlay that with like uh Chiefs uh Chiefs money line over whatever it is and like Mahomes over 250 passing yards, whatever that is. Mahomes over is going to be. I'm just going to go against the injury people that are scared and see if we can make that happen. I don't
1: disagree with you on the fact that I don't think he's that injured. I think he's hurt not injured. There's a big difference. Uh,
0: High ankle sprain. Those, those aren't, aren't fun. Yeah, but he's been
1: dancing around at practice all week. What I'm going to say is this. I'm not going to go on the Chiefs money line because I don't think they're going to win the game. I think Mahomes Ooh. healthy. I don't think the Chiefs win that game. You know what okay. I think does happen in the game? What's up? I think the over hits I think the Bengals cover. Okay. And I think that I would throw a little bit of money on Travis Kelski to score two touchdowns. Ooh. So there's the NRD parlay of the game.
0: Okay. I know okay. it's a little
1: bit that's a little bit of negative correlation. You know, Kelsey scoring two touchdowns with the Bengals winning. But it but it helps the over. And uh, you know, when your back's against the wall, Mahomes is hurt, not injured. Who are you gonna? Who's number are you gonna call? Well, the guy that you've trusted and has been your guy for you know five six years now in Kansas City. Give me Kelsey two touchdowns. Bengals the cover and the over.
0: I will do this. Here's my official. This is this is live. The Merriman Cold Stove Parlay, which is different, obviously, than the NRD Cold Stove Parlay. I'm going one hits and one doesn't. That's correct, correct, right. correct. Chiefs money line parlayed with the over 48. Parlayed with Oh, I love this parlay with Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdown passes, which is minus one hundred and eighty right now. I like that parlay. Yeah. I like that parlay a lot because I think I think it's going to be Joe Burrow's got two. Pat Mahomes has two. How about that? Nrd, I like it. Lock it in. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code Washed. New customers can bet five dollars on the conference championships and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code Washed. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, NRD, hockey time. Where do you want to begin with it? Timo is the is uh, kind of the hot hot topic around the yeah, world it, at this very second. I have some well, stuff on that too, so here we go.
1: Timo Meyer in Vancouver, but let's start with
0: Timo. Sure. Let's start with Timo. Well, yeah, oh, you know what? I'll get well, my thing out. Yeah, it's, get your thing in. That's what's my, kind of... I was... I was I was hosting the show and then trying to throw it to you. Then my, you know, yeah. it's. It, I'll just. It, the show is better when I just play Merrick, and I'm not drive. trying to bring. I'm not trying to bring any insider in influencer stuff to this thing. I'll just let drive me the drive, drive the bus. Drive anyway. Bus. I'll lead off here. So there's a little smoke smoke season, obviously coming around. Shouts to Smoke Signals, Lake Placid. Um, there's a little bit of smoke recently about the Sabers having interest in in Timo Meyer now. When that first appeared, uh, I don't, was it Pagnata who first kind of said something like that or Elliot? It was, it was Saravali, maybe. Basically said, there's something here. I said, okay. I hadn't heard that. I went out looking around trying to dig up some stuff. Heard basically, um, yeah, interest, but nothing more than a check in. And then Lance Lesowski of the Buffalo News today reported as much, basically, because I didn't have anything concrete enough to go on like tweeting. Type of thing. And Lance uh, had enough, obviously, to report on and said, Yeah, check in. What's the price? Nothing more, nothing less. Check in. So it is obviously check in season. GMs are doing their job by seeing how much somebody costs, right? I think that made sense across the board. So interest, sure, but more of a check in than something imminent. Now, a team that I think has legitimate, like beyond check in interest. Is the New Jersey Devils, and I will leave leave that to you, NRD. What are the New Jersey Devils trying to do with the Timo Meyer? They're
1: trying to acquire a Timo Meyer now. They have the cap space to to sign him long term, which which, right, which benefits obviously them, is,
0: and it's also an important part of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, because he's an RFA at the end of this year, and his qualifying offer might be upwards of ten mil. So that's a that's a tough sell for you know the New York Rangers or the Boston Bruins of the world, where they. Potentially can't afford that qualifying offer because now you're not only acquiring a true rental, but then you know you're going to have to flip him for something at, before the draft trade his rights. It, it's going to be a sticky situation. But in terms of the Devils, they can kind of afford to do a lot of things right now, which is which is good for them. I will tell you the rumor side of it. I can tell you for a fact they're involved, you know, in Timo Meyer. They're involved in Horvat and Besser, and they're involved in. I, I would keep an eye on a couple other names in Vancouver. I don't think they're just talking about Bohorvetta, uh, Bo Brock Besser. They're involved. You know, they've kicked tires on Patrick Kane. Then the, the the me me trying to analyze the New Jersey Devils. I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Fitzgerald, just you know, watching and observing him over the years and knowing people close to him, pivots and tries to just shore up that back end, right? Because they're getting the firepower up front. You can you can survive with what they have up front up front right now. I don't think it's perfect. I think you can get by with what they have. I think adding another defender to that back end that stabilizes it, maybe a Matias Eckholm, maybe somebody like that, I think could in Tommy Fitz's eyes help the uh the devils a little bit more come playoff time than than like a like a Brock Besser. Not to say a Brock Besser isn't a huge addition for that club or a Timo Meyer, but if that falls through, I could see them pivoting to a defensive rather quickly.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we'll see in this sort of trade market coming up is it's going to be a lot of sort of long-term. I I, The the rental market feels a little thin, especially on goaltenders this year. Um, So I I think we're going to, not that it's not going to be entertaining, not that there's not going to be big deals, but it's going to be a lot of that kind of team building versus pieces, right? And because pieces are so hard in this economy, call it, because the salary cap has been flat for so long. So I think we're kind of at the last year Of this salary, and it went up a million. But we're at the last year of this really, really, really flat cap that is pushing these larger UFA contracts in their their last year. Teams are kind of on the brink of financial insecurity as far as the cap goes, not necessarily business wise. But you know what I mean. Like there's, it's hard to do deals in this economy because of that. And I think unless you have that option to one, afford somebody like a Timo Meyer, and two, extend them beyond this year and probably well beyond this year, the rental market is not the same as it has been in years past.
1: Well, and that's why I, I think if you're a buyer, I think that plays into your hands if you're the New Jersey Devils or the Buffalo Sabres of the world because you, can, you, you know your team's good enough that, hey, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule, we're competing. We can also afford a Timo Meyer. Or or a Brock Besser or a Bo Horvath. that we can afford mm-hmm. these guys. Whereas yeah. other teams that are looking for a pure rental can't afford. Now that might cost you a pretty penny for you know the, the Devils and the Sabers, but you can go out and acquire this guy and acquire a piece that's not just going to be here through you know the end of May. Like right. you're, you're acquiring a guy that's going to be part of this club. You know, but but to your point about pieces being expensive nowadays in the salary cap, I mean, everybody wants to know you know when the shoe drops in Vancouver with the guys being on the move or a Timo Meyer deal or a Patrick Kane deal. The truth of the matter is, is nothing's imminent right now. You're going to start to hear all this chatter of like teams placing phone calls, but nothing's imminent. Talks may be eating up, you know, to quote Darren Dreger, but things are not imminent only because these teams that are involved, not including, you know, the two teams we just mentioned who have the cap space to do something, the rental buyers of the world, they are just waiting day by day to accrue that daily cap space accrual so you get to the deadline and have, you know, $6 million to play with. Maybe a guy goes in LTIR or whatnot. You have a little bit more flexibility. Like, I I think teams are just trying to get by till then when they have to make a deal. I don't think that anybody's going to fire the first warning shot because it costs a lot of money to do so.
0: Yeah, totally. I have two things on the trade market. Um, One, especially in the case of Timo Meyer specifically, right? When he's going to need a new contract. There's sort of this, like, the two camps not only have to talk. But then Timo Meyers' agent has to be involved. They're not going to do a trade unless there's a deal sort of agreed upon. Do you have any sort of internal insight, NRD, how that process works with different agents, with different teams, when it's basically, you know, the NBA has sign and trade. Mm -hmm. NHL has trade and sign. Do you know of any roadblocks or anything that, like, is there tampering in this kind of day and age? Like, how does that work, especially in a case of a guy like Timo Meyer?
1: There's always tampering. I think teams are just better at it, and I think the rules are intentionally vague at times and have those loopholes for that reason. I think you're looking at two different scenarios, and, and take Timo out of it. Just like a player A and a player B, you can you can then fill in the names. Like a player B could be a Timo, but uh, player A, right, is a player that. Maybe you know, coming up in a free agent, he wants to go out like a, like a Claude Giroux. Let's take Claude Giroux for example of last year, mm-hmm. right? That agent sometimes the team can give Claude Giroux's agent permission to go and find a trade, seek right. out locations, seek out teams that work best for his client. Then you know, agent says, "Listen, Claude really wants to be in Colorado or Boston, or you know, Florida and um, Florida's." Willing to do this with him. We're okay with that. Okay, now go make nice with Florida. Talk to Florida. That's option one. Then there's like the Timo Meyer where the San Jose Sharks are not saying, Hey, Timo Meyer, go start finding a deal. They're working on trades with the Rangers, with the Devils, with these teams. They'll only allow Timo Meyer's agent to camp to talk to teams that are serious about this, have already put a significant amount on the table because they're not in any hesitancy. They're they're not in a rush to trade Timo Meyer mm-hmm. for pennies on the dollar because he's a veteran going to chase Stanley Cup right like he's yeah. still an asset for this club. Sure. So I, I, I sure. think you're looking at this situation more so the the, the latter more so than the former with Timo Meyer. I think you're starting to hear his name percolate a little bit more because those teams you know the Rangers, the Devils, the Sabers, the the LA Kings have have put on the table enough to where the Sharks are like okay. We have serious offers for this guy. We have a ballpark of what we're going to be getting in a trade. Now that might go up or down depending on if the deal could be worked out. But now we're going to give, you know, Timo's agent to reach out to that club, try to work out something, maybe maximize the value in a return.
0: Second point, um, and that's a really good analysis right there. I want mm-hmm. to commend you for that. Second point I wanted to make on the trade front. You're a team, like we mentioned, Col- or not Colorado, excuse me, Buffalo and New Jersey. And it could be any team. Any young team, and like Detroit, I think, will be in this spot next year. Any young team, Seattle, again, that is sort of one step ahead of where they're supposed to be this year, call it. A team that's like, oh, they're young and they're on the rise, whatever it may be. When you have a team this young that's overperforming and outperforming, and it's not just, we call it puck luck, right? Like if, if Buffalo is two points out of a wild card spot but their goal differential was minus 20 or something like that, and it's kind of just, oh, they're getting lucky. It's not. It's the opposite. And New Jersey is one of the best teams in the league. But they're sort of both a step ahead in their rebuild and their retooling from where they are supposed to be. Play GM for a second, NRD. Are you afraid of trading potentially integral pieces, call it your last Two or three first round kind of guys in that area that are going to bolster this roster, even though it's playing above where it should be. Are you sort of afraid? Like you're kind of you're kind of hesitant to go get that Timo Meyer because you're sort of in the safety of rebuild. Do you know what I mean? Like there's when the expectations are low, uh, we can kind of sit and wait and let these let these guys develop and percolate. And now all of a sudden it's like. Well, we now it's time to put up or shut up, make a move, and then see if this roster is is for real that we've spent the last couple of years building. So I think I think GMs get a little nervous in that sense because it's like, oh shit. You know, studying is over. It's time for the test. And it's like put up or shut up.
1: Yeah. And and you know, if I put myself in the GM chair, I could just give you my, you know, as N R D, here's what I would do. It's an eighty two game season. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, a maximum of what? Seven times four uh, is well, yeah, here twenty-eight, right? 28, 28 yes, games in the playoffs. Right. I can I can give you a parlay, but I can't do math to save my life. Um, so you could play a lot of games in an NHL season. When you have an opportunity in front of you, even if you're ahead of schedule, you go for it because a lot of variables, a lot of things can happen. So to kick that can and say, well, you know, we're in the safety of a rebuild. We're just exceeding expectations. I don't subscribe to that mindset only because this year is this year. Next year is a very different year. Guys could get hurt. Guys could just have an off year, right? Like, look at Seattle. It's a team you mentioned. If I was sitting in that Ron Francis chair right now, Maddie Veneers is going to win the Calder Trophy this year. He's playing out of his mind. The Calder, the Calder. Um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. He's playing out of his mind. There's a sophomore slump thing that exists in this world of sport. Mm -hmm. Who's to say he comes out next year and isn't scoring at, you know, the clip that he is this year, or who's to say, Oh, maybe we'll add a Shane Wright next year. Well, maybe Shane Wright's still behind schedule. Maybe Shane Wright could still be a hell of a hockey player, but needs a little bit more seasoning. Maybe he comes up to the league next year and has a slow year, has an Alexei Lafreniere year where he's just not who we thought he was initially. Things could change so rapidly in this league that if I'm a Seattle, I go for it because You know, things could be very different next year. I mean, they were a bad, bad, bad hockey club last year. They didn't really change too much. I mean, they added a piece or two. They got a great season from Matty Veneers, but they didn't. They're still the same hockey club they were last year. And and I liken this to the St. Louis Blues a lot, too. And I don't filibuster this any longer, but we've talked a lot on the show about the St. Louis Blues, too. They were not a great club. And then they had a Cinderella thing happen in January of that year where they hired Craig Rubek. They added at the deadline. They went on and won a Stanley Cup. And then where have they been since since that? The same mediocre meddling in the playoffs, not in the playoffs club. So I think it's not for long. This league is a long season. I think when you have something in front of you, you go for it. You don't disguise yourself in the it, the cloak of a rebuild or or ahead of schedule. I think you go full steam ahead because those opportunities, you know, they don't exist very often.
0: I tend to absolutely agree with that. I think teams always talk about these windows, right? And it's like this rebuild, you build up and window. The windows to me, when a team builds and it's like this, they talk about these three to five year windows. It's just one of those things where like your window either lasts a decade, thinking Pittsburgh, thinking like the way Colorado is going to do this or it doesn't, Mm -hmm. right? Like Florida, two years of, incredible hockey, and they make a wi- wild moves and kind of destroy their core, and now here they are. And it's just like these cliches about how hockey teams are built and the way that the whole thing works. It never seems to follow that, and teams are just either really good for really long periods of time, like the Capitals and Bruins and Penguins, and or you're meddling. You're just kind of middling, meddling, middle, whatever. There's two different, like there's yeah, two there's different there's philosophies
1: no... of team building. And, and it's and it, you see it in all sports, right? Like, really quick, you look at the NFL for a second. This isn't a football podcast, but you talk about the Patriots with Tom Brady for 20 years. They were a dynasty. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Rams where they sold you know their soul and made it feel the devil to win a Super Bowl. And now the cupboards are bare. They don't have any picks. They don't have anything. Right. And, and I think that those are two different philosophies of team building. But to bring it back to hockey, it's so hard to be that dynasty. It's so hard to be the 90s Red Wings. It's so hard to be the, the early 2010s Chicago Blackhawks or LA Kings that, you know what, I lean more in the camp of when you have an opportunity to sell your soul and you go get a championship because it's so hard to sustain success in sports anyway that when you have that opportunity in front of you, you get it. You don't worry about that five, six, seven year window because there's so many things that have to fall into place for you to be. New England Patriots, or be the Los Angeles Kings of the early 2010s, or be the Tampa Bay Lightning, so many things have to go your way and break your way in order for that to happen, that you can't you can't use that as a model, in my opinion. You win one championship. That's, that's where you start. You can only lift one Stanley Cup at a time. I think that's the way you build a team. I think anything outside of that is an anomaly, in a sense. I mean, Tampa Bay Lightning have had some great puck luck. Nikita Kucherov, say what you want about him going in LTIR, because he was... Hurt, right? Like, but he was hurt. He went on LTIR. They were able to add at the deadline. If Nikita Kucherov is you know as healthy as can be, do they add a Barclay goodrow Do they add a Nick Paul? Do they add? A, not. They can't. They can't. So, in order to look at those teams as a model of success, yeah, they're successful clubs, but things have went their way to be where they're at. I don't think it's a model for a Seattle team to say, okay, we're going to try to do like the Tampa Bay Lightning and build a five, six, seven year window because things might not happen that way for you like it did for them.
0: Totally agree. Two things I want to tie up here, and then we'll get back into some trades. stuff. we'll get back into Vancouver after a little ad break. But there's two things I want to tie up. You mentioned Maddie Beneers. currently minus one seventy five to win the Calder. The next closest, Mason McTavish at plus eight hundred, Logan Thompson at plus twelve hundred, Cole Perfetti sixteen hundred, along with Stuart Skinner, who doesn't seem like a rookie, but just one of those goalie things. And then the best. Value out there. Oh, and power plus 2,500. Three game goal streak for your Buffalo Sabres. Uh, And secondly, NRD, there are one, two, three, four, five active players, and this relates to trades, who have played more than 82 games in a season. Can you name any of them? Five active players who have. Been traded and ended up playing more than 82 in a season.
1: Arturi Lekkinen.
0: No. Good, good guess, though.
1: Been traded and played 82
0: in that season? No. So, like their season, because they got traded, (coughs) which is, you know, an interesting point in their schedule, they end up playing 83 or 84 in the case of one of these players. Ooh. In the
1: recent history that are active yes so
0: if you go back like i can i can switch it to all players here on this hockey thing and the 1992 1993 (laughs) season and 94 season there are, are 84s and 85s and 86s all across the board but active players who have played more than 83 in one year i don't know i really don't
1: i think you've stumped the nrd
0: I've stumped the NRD. I, I wasn't really expecting you to get these, but I was just wondering if you had any any interesting trade kind of fodder in here. So, Kevin Fiala, Ryan Hartman, Eric Stahl, and Alex Galagowski have all played 83 in a season. Ooh. And then uh, fan favorite Marcus Pedersen, 84 in the 2018-19 season. Wouldn't have
1: guessed a single. Nope.
0: I may be able to guess stall just because he's been traded a lot and like mm-hmm. always plays. Yeah. So that's a good one. Anyway, NRD. Let's hear from our friends over at Shopify. Cha-ching. You know that noise, NRD? Money. Cash money, I love baby. Money. That's your sign this year. Finally, forget about those run-of-the-mill resolutions and instead start your own New Year's revolution. How about that? Uh, that means it's time to start selling on Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling t-shirts, whether you're selling hockey jerseys, whether you're selling posters and hockey sticks, memorabilia, anything, absolutely anything you can think of, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. NRD, are you familiar with Washed Media? I am very familiar. Are you familiar with washedmedia.shop? I am very familiar That is with our commerce store, our e-com store, and it is built 100% on the Shopify platform, makes it incredibly easy to upload products, set prices, make descriptions, make the website that they live on, incorporate your current website, your current social channels, anything you need Shopify is there to help you out. And what they do, one of the best things they do is you can make a you know a link for Instagram, you can connect to your Instagram account, just an all-in-one e-com platform to help you grow your business and monetize what you do on a daily basis. They cover every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, it even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, like I just mentioned. It's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. You know what one of my favorite parts about Shopify is, NRD? When I'm in the back end looking at the analytics, you can watch live. So like Black Friday... We'll put up our Shopify live dashboard and you can see the little pings from around the United States where people are hopping on, grabbing, uh, grabbing a look at your products. Pretty cool stuff. That is fun. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash stove. All lowercase, by the way, on stove. Go to shopify.com slash stove, all lowercase to take your business to the next level today. Again, shopify.com slash stove. Speaking of looking at maps, I'm looking uh, north of the border at our friends over in Vancouver, NRD. Quite a tumultuous uh, week. Quite tumultuous weeks. Quite tumultuous months. Arguably years in Vancouver. We could start anywhere on this. But what I want to start with is the hiring of Rick Tockett in place of Bruce Boudreaux and how that kind of all went down. Would you uh, kind of lay it out quickly? If some of our listeners may be unaware of what, what's the last month in Vancouver looked like from a coaching standpoint? And then we can kind of get into the roster management side of things. I mean, honestly,
1: you can go back to before camp when things were weird, right? Like, there was always seemed to have been a disconnect between the front office there and Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, they brought them a lot of success last year when they needed it when they fired Travis Green. But this offseason was not kosher for the two parties oh. Um at all. And that goes back to, remember, Rachel Dorery, who was in the the front office. Bruce Boudreaux was like, she's going to get a, stat, a job on the bench. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, pump the tires on that. And then before you know it, she's out of the organization. She's now, you know, in lit- litigation with them for wrongful termination. It starts there. It starts with a disconnect on, the, on the, sometimes the effort you're getting out of a JT Miller or an Elias Pedersen that rubbed Patrick Alvin and, and Jim Rutherford the wrong way about how Bruce Boudreau goes about it. Mm-hmm. And now you're sitting here in a, with a Vancouver club that isn't bottom of the barrel. They're not the Arizona Anaheim's of the world, but they're also not good. I mean, they're not a good team either. and, and you know, everybody's got their opinion on this Bruce Bruggeau situation. I don't think he did that bad of a job considering what that team is. I don't think it's a very well-built roster. We've had discussions about this on the show. But, you know, obviously the guys building that roster don't feel like they built a bad roster. And around Christmas, right after Christmas, that, that week in between Christmas and New Year's, uh Br- Br- um, sorry, Jim Rutherford had reached out to Rick Tockett, who... A old colleague, not only a good friend, but an old colleague from their time overlapping in Pittsburgh when they won Stanley Cups together. Rick Tocchet was mm-hmm. assistant coach there, and uh, gauged his interest about coming back to uh, coaching the Vancouver Canucks. And Tocchet was on board, and then it kind of went through a process of. There's a lot of rumors about there uh, out there about whether uh, Tocchet had to give a four week uh, had to give a four week notice with his job at TNT, which I'm not here to confirm or deny that, um, and. Then, as we started to get closer, things started leaking out from the Vancouver camp. You know, mm-hmm. Rick Tockett might be in here. Bruce Brujo might get fired. Oh, now Rick Tockett's got a full staff built out. He's even, he knows what nutritionist he's bringing to the club. And this is all going out through the media. While well, Bruce Boudreau is trying to coach the team. And, right. you know, they absolutely treated him as poor as you could treat someone. Worse than Gerard Gallant, Florida situation, in my opinion. Um... Is Bruce a great coach? No, he's not a great hockey coach. He's got a lot of success. He's not, when I say he's not a great hockey coach, he's a great hockey coach. He's not Scotty Bowman. You can fire Bruce Bruger right? Like, he wasn't, you know, indemnified from being fired. Like, he was the guy in Vancouver forever. He's not a Scotty Bowman. But he was a good coach. I think it was a poor-built roster. I think they, he ended up being the scapegoat for some of the shortcomings to that front office. And they fired him after, you know... After a month of basically having his replacement named picked out, and they started moving his shit into the front uh, the corner office, but they didn't want to fire him until they were able to because of contract stipulations and whatnot. they fire him and now Rick Tockett's behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks, and you know you, if you listen to anything he said after his second game behind the bench with the Canucks, doesn't seem like it was just a Brucey issue. It seems like uh, Rick Tockett, two games in is fed up with the effort, and some of the guys on that roster in Vancouver
0: which and it's just it, it it's sad sort of all around because Vancouver fans are as dedicated as they come
1: It's a great city
0: great city it, it it was sad watching the kind of the end of the Boudreaux tenure mm-hmm. and he, he was getting choked up at Prescott it was just a crying weird, on the bench during the games and right and the crowd fans, chanting yeah right like just a weird it's embarrassing way, is what it is. Yeah, it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing way to it, treat a guy who you know who's earned the respect in the league. It's embarrassing for Bruce, not to his fault.
1: It's embarrassing for the front office. And I'll be quite honest with you, if you're Francisco Acelinni, Francesco Acelinni, I don't know how you sit there and, and you know watch this from, from your chair in your, your office and watch this kind of take take place underneath you and be okay with that, and somehow he is. But that goes to show you, I mean, Vancouver has issues in that organization that run way deeper than than who's coaching the hockey club. And that goes to the Dari thing, that goes to the people in the front office, that goes to some allegations against Aquilini himself. I mean, they yeah. have issues in that organization. So you can sit here and go, how could he not think that this is crazy? It doesn't surprise me.
0: So where does it end? I mean, does it... Is it Aquilini out? Is it Rutherford out? Is it... You know, Takit is kind of now the head of this rudderless ship. So, in terms of the hockey organization, the yeah. off ice stuff, like where where does this go? And it's a, and, it, and what do people want at this point?
1: It's a good question, and I'll be honest, it's a question I don't even have the answer to. A good friend, you know, over at Chicklets, Ryan Whitney said this the other day on the on their show. Like, what does Patrick Alvin do? What does he really yeah. do if Jim Rutherford is hiring and firing guys, placing calls, negotiating contracts with coaches, then what the hell does your general manager do? So I just think that there's there's a lack of structure and organization in the front office, and it, and it trickles down throughout the organization. You see it. They have like nine general – they have like – they have a, a proxy general manager, like a puppet GM, and they have like 19 assistant general managers, all who are well-deserving of jobs in the National Hockey League when you look at, you know, the Cameron Granados and the uh, – Emily Castangays of the world who like are deserving of those roles. But what are they doing there for that organization if Jim Rutherford is just has the final say on all these decisions just coming over the top? Like, do they run it like a board of directors? Possibly. But it just I, I think it trickles down to what you see behind the bench, and I think it trickles down to some of the personalities in the locker room. It's just they lack structure. And Tockett said it after their second game coaching in Vancouver, something has to give with that leadership group. And I think that, yeah. that was Maybe a shot upstairs, too. And I'm not trying to put that into the world to create drama. I really am not. But maybe that was a shot to everybody in the organization that we really have to think about our leadership from, you know, the head of the janitorial, janitorial, uh, janitorial staff all the way down. We have to think about leadership in this organization.
0: Yeah. Like, hey, this is, this is a shit show. Yeah. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And I can't do my job, Rick Tocit, without this being less of a shit show. I think that's probably how he feels. And I bet you that's how people in the front office feel too in -hmm. Vancouver. Like we can't, we can't do anything while this remains a shit show. And it's like, well, where is, where is the source of the shit show? And a lot of it feels like it comes back to Rutherford because it's Rutherford and Alvin and dinosaurs. And what, and like, what are we doing here? And then they can't, you know, winning cures all obviously, but like,
1: you can't put a winning team on it. Doesn't feel like
0: that's right. I don't want to
1: blame Jim Rutherford solely, like, I I think a lot of the times that everybody has an equal part to play. And I think it's sometimes just the wrong ingredients in the soup. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the wrong, they don't go together and they're all good on their own, right? They all have something to provide, but when you put them in that mix together, it's just not it, you know, like, it's Mm -hmm. like making a cocktail, right? You you don't put, you know, certain alcohol with other alcohol, it doesn't mean they're not bad to drink, but when they're in a cocktail together, it's just not the right combination. And I think it's more that. So like Jim Rutherford, I agree with you, is to some degree the the guy, but also it could be a combination of just the people that they have there, the opinions they have in the room, the voices, the egos, all that, I think goes into the fact that they're so dysfunctional.
0: Right. Yeah. It just feels like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and what they're cooking up ain't ain't that good anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's go on the ice now. So it's Horvat. it's Besser it's you know the JT Miller Connor Garland will never go away they just re-signed Andre Kuzmenko shouts to him for getting a two-year extension done and all like the in all of the bullshit good for Andre Kuzmenko securing some financial security over the next couple of years Mm -hmm. so on the ice how different is this team going to look and how quickly will it look different
1: Very different, but not today or tomorrow. I think you're going to have to get to that deadline, like we said. I think teams are going to make deals now. You know, Elliot had mentioned Hughes and Demko and you know, everybody but Patterson potentially being in play. Listen, if Hughes is available, teams are going to step up. If Thatcher Demko is available, teams are going to step up. I just think the interesting thing about Demko, and everybody's talking about his name right now, is the goaltending market as robust in terms of
0: buyers as it has been? I don't think so. No, I mean, it feels like it's, it's last year, there was nine goalies that we we're talking about this year. There's like one and Yeah, because and, people are sort of settled. And, and even if there were, were nine
1: goalies, like where are they going? Like, I, I just think the game of musical yeah. chairs is starting to end, right? Like there's one or two seats left. If that, I, you know, I know it's my job to bring this stuff to you guys listening, but like, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head one team. It's like they're in such dire position in net. that They really need, you know, like, yeah, you could, there's maybe 17 teams that'll upgrade with a Thatcher Demko, but not, not a sure. team, not a team that's in like dire need of a goaltender, like the New Jersey Devils were last year where they were starting like, you know, whoever Smead and net or whatever his name was,
0: you know, the right. The desperation level has gone way down. You feel settled. Even the Sabres, right?
1: Like, they've been getting enough out of UPL, Comrie, and and Anderson. It's like last year, we were sitting here saying, you know, Sabres need somebody. Like, go get somebody. They're getting by, right? Like, it's not perfect. Yes, Venture Demko is a huge upgrade for a Sabres club, in my opinion. We can, you know, have that debate. But, like, they're not – you don't have to make that move. They can get by with what they have. And I think pretty much every team is in that boat now.
0: How about uh, former Sabre, Linus Allmark? He's winning the uh, the Vesna odds right now, leaps and bounds. Well, you know it's, what? It's just stuff like that is just so interesting. You know it know. better than
1: I. He's always been a good goalie. I just think he hasn't been able yeah. to stay healthy. When he's healthy, he's a great
0: goaltender. That's absolutely true. He he actually, I love this stat. He had a winning record in his time in Buffalo, which it's, is hilarious because he, he presided over some of the worst years, obviously. Um, and he just they didn't want to pay him mm-hmm. and. Now here he is doing his thing in Boston. I think it was a perfect change of scenery kind of situation as well. Team in front of him is obviously great. He's flourishing. So happy for him. But I'm just saying, like Buffalo had, they had a goalie, mm. and so it's it's just interesting to see the revisionist history that takes place in Buffalo when when things haven't been good for a long time. Anyway, looking forward to seeing what happens with the Canucks with Tockett, with Horvat, with Besser, with Miller, with Garland. You see. Things are going to look different. Um, another place where things are going to look different is in Chicago, and that's potentially with Kane and Taves out the door. Are you uh, any change in the last couple of weeks on that front, or perhaps with our friends over in St. Louis with O'Reilly and Tarasenko? Stay in the central here. Yeah,
1: I think Tarasenko ends up being the name that gets moved um, over O'Reilly. I think there's enough smoke there. I mean, you hear about you know the Islanders potentially sniffing around and Mm-hmm. I, I think there's enough smoke with Tarasenko. Here's the thing with the Islanders, right? Like Lou is not putting that out to the world, but they're talking about Tarasenko. That's coming from the St. Louis camp to some degree. Like we know right. the way Lou operates, it's not coming from the Islanders. So when you learn the game and where these scoops are coming from, you start to learn a little bit, right? Like St. Louis is putting that out there for a reason. somebody in St. Louis is putting it out there. So you can, it's insert team. I mean, it's the Islanders, but it's insert any team. But the Islanders being the team gives us the context of, like, St. Louis wants that out there to some degree. I think Tarasenko ends up on the move. I think O'Reilly stays. Uh, maybe just a sort of a, you know, done a lot for the organization, captain there on mm-hmm. Stanley Cup, big part of the Tage Thompson deal, which you can call it the Tage Thompson deal now. I think it's safe.
0: Quite, yeah, quite the
1: trade. I point. think it's – uh. I think we've passed the statute of limitation. I think we could call it the Tate Thompson trade, not the Ryan O'Reilly wow. trade now. Um, big news. Big news, breaking. But yeah, I, I just think that O'Reilly stays, Tarasenko's on the move, and our friends in Chicago are just going to buy time, right? Till we get to that deadline, right? Like, I, I think that, I think that you know, a baby can tell you the teams that are going to be involved in like Patrick Kane, the Rangers, you know, the Capitals, the Bruins, the Oilers, those types of teams. I just think it's a matter of getting to that, that time of year where teams feel a little bit more desperate to make that move and they have the space to do it. They may have, you know, a guy, hate to say, it, goes on LTIR and they have space to bring in Patrick Kane now. I think we're waiting for that. I don't think, I, I still think we're in that standstill.
0: Of course. And we're going to be for a while, especially in a year where the cap is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it, that's, it's, it's that, like I mentioned to start the show, it's that third year of squeeze. And we are truly at a time where you just really can't afford to make these deals, especially early. So you're kind of hoping that not hoping, obviously, but you're waiting. If one of your guys like Austin Matthews, you know, if Toronto really wanted to could probably stretch that to a four week injury, put him on LTIR and then figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not hoping for your players to get injured, obviously, but waiting till the deadline gives you more opportunity to figure out who is injured. Who is more desperate? Yep. And I think people are less concerned now because sort of the the time's already passed to make that trade in early December. When you really get a guy comfortable, you can get him, you know, really make him part of your team yep. versus renting to win a Stanley Cup or perhaps in the case of Timo Meyer, signing, yep. right? Like where it doesn't really matter about his immediate comfortability with the team. So it's just... Once you get to a certain point, call it early December, then why not wait until the deadline because of any number of reasons, money, injuries, desperation, market values, cap space. There's a lot of those. And so we're just going to get right up to the deadline before things start really happening. And a lot of teams, like the goalie market soft this year, the rental market soft this year. It's going to be a lot of these kind of trade and sign situations. It's just, it's just an interesting year where I don't think there's going to be a flurry of activity for two weeks like we've seen mm. before. And this summer, I think, is the complete opposite. I think this summer is one of the most interesting summers we've had in a couple of years because yeah. we'll have more clarity on the cap. Absolutely. We'll have a lot of guys that are getting paid, a lot of guys that maybe got paid in the pandemic that are kind of like, okay, well, looking for market values again and tap jumps and all that kind of stuff. So I just think we're, we're in for an interesting time. I think
1: we're in for a very interesting time. And, you know, going back to the teams that the LTIR thing, keep an eye on Carolina and Vegas only because Mark Stone there and Max Pacioretty going right back onto LTIR. Unfortunately, if you hate to see it, um, it was the same Achilles, right? He snapped the same Achilles in his first same game back in the yeah. torn Achilles. Um, I think he's now in Finland seeing an Achilles, like the, great, the the number one Achilles doc in the world in Finland right now. Hopefully he gets, mm-hmm. you know, help there. But so, like, LTR is back in play for them. And Mark Stone, you know, Bruce Cassidy's been intentionally vague on what the status is of Mark Stone. I'm telling you from what I heard, Mark Stone is going through those same back issues as he was in the previous years. It might not be that we see Mark Stone until, you know, late April. So yeah. things change, right? Like Vegas is a team that we keep saying, how the hell do they make these moves? They might be right back in the thick of, you know, the Horvat and the Basser market because they're going to utilize LTIR.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a bummer, but it's kind of been the blueprint for them the last couple of years. Speaking of money, a couple of housekeeping things here to clean up with off the ice, Bally sports and Sinclair sports headed for bankruptcy, hoping, Friends of the show that work in those markets and for those people are going to be all right in there. It sounds like it's just kind of a pretty pretty loaded debt situation, borrowing a lot of money Mm -hmm. during the pandemic with the idea that it was going to come back around in the form of advertisements and carriage fees and whatnot, and it has not. uh, Anything on the Bally Sinclair regional sports networks in general, NRD?
1: No, same as as you. I know we have a lot of mutual friends there, and uh, just hope for the best for them.
0: Speaking of regional sports networks, uh, one guy, James Dolan, runs one down at MSG. Have you seen that he's threatening to ban alcohol sales from Madison Square Garden? I watched the
1: whole interview. It was fantastic.
0: (laughs) What in the world is his deal?
1: First of all, I think it's like the first time any of us have seen James Dolan in like years. I forgot what he looked like. Like, James Dolan has so much power, but he also, you never see James Dolan. He never does interviews. I mean, he did it on like the local news station. The local like a station. News weird guy. Yeah.
0: Just puts off weird billionaire guy vibes. Yeah.
1: Um, Eclectic said that his band is on hiatus while he's working on the MSG Sphere project in Vegas. Talked a little bit about the Rangers. Talked a little bit about the Knicks. Uh, yeah, he's going to ban alcohol sales and uh, facial recognition software.
0: Yeah, because... So here's... I kind of looked into this a little more. Apparently, he is... To get into MSG... You go through the biometric scanner, okay? Mm -hmm. And he has profiles of people that are either suing him or MSG or lawyers that are working on cases that are involved with suing Dolan or MSG and refusing them entry to MSG to see like Justin Bieber or a Rangers game or a niche game. And according to the State Liquor Authority, that basically triggers them as a certain – like any places – that have a literal license are required to be open to the general public. Yeah, like right? they're refusing to if serve. So if you're denying service to people, uh on account of they are suing you, you're not allowed to do that. So James Dolan basically said, Okay, I don't need to sell alcohol. I don't give a fuck. Well, the best line <laughs>
1: did you hear his line about I'm twenty nine years sober. I don't need the booze Yeah, I don't need the booze.
0: <laughs> don't who cares about the twenty thousand people in the arena? I don't need it. I don't give a fuck. Just an all all time. Yeah, was an all time. Guy, I mean like, there were
1: there were that interview was a quote machine I, he started off. did you get a, did you get a chance to see how he started off that interview?
0: No, I did not. He walked
1: in. The first question was about the facial recognition software. He asked the interviewer if uh, if she had recognized him this morning when he walked into the studio, she said, yeah, he said, boom facial recognition."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Which is, that's an all-time text. simplification. That is
1: a that is one of the greatest all oversimplifications in human history.
0: Incredible. Speaking of great oversimplifications, Gary Bettman uh, quoted this week saying, nobody tanks in the NHL. NRD. What do you think of that? You know, I don't. Teams (laughs) teams tank. I mean, nobody tanks. And he said, why would you tank? You have a 75% chance of not getting the first pick. Who tanks? I was like, oh my God. Because
1: I'd much rather... 75% chance of not getting it than like a 92% chance of not getting it. I mean, crazy. Gary, I'd love to go to a casino with Gary based on his math. Just, just watch. Like just go see Gary at like the roulette table trying to figure out the logic behind why you're putting on some certain colors and numbers.
0: Just the epitome of like head in the sand has no, you know, he remember when he was like that. Oh, the ad tech isn't distracting at all. And there's all the the videos and clips. of, well, no, of like he, people's heads he cut off. He did not
1: say and, no. To his credit, he did not say the ad was not distracting. He said it's increasing the viewership. Oh, of the right. game. remember that was increase, the quote was, right. people, quote was watching, people are turning yeah, people in. Are this t- is cool. Um, so you know, what a guy. Sometimes, you know, like sometimes, you let that old relative just sit in the rocking chair and just let them talk.
0: And you just like he is. You're totally right. He's been in there for too long. Like he he has too many yes men at this point. Yeah. He's been there for too long. That we're ready for some fresh blood. Like Gary, go to the cottage. Yeah, like well. you know, you know, take what, your pension and go. You know
1: what I'm saying? Like when Uncle or Peepaw sits in his chair and he just starts rambling yeah. about those days, and you're like, "Yep, Peepaw, yep, like I remember that. Yep, yep, Pop Pop. Yeah. those those were sure. the days, Pop Pop.
0: <laughs> sure thing, Pop Pop. Um, the NHL All Star Game, NRD features one, two, three, four. Five defensemen at this point. And, oh, I don't know, 100 forwards. What's the deal with uh, snubbing defensemen from the All-Star game?
1: This could be such a, this could be an hour conversation about how, you know, the Norris Trophy only goes to the guy who gets the most points now as a defense. Like, the the art of defending is gone. No no longer are the days of Scott Stevens and, you know, the Phil Housley's and Paul Coffey's of the world. It's now, you know, which D, which D man could do the most dipsy doodles from the blue line. That's not to take away from Kel McCarr or Adam Fox. They're gifted hockey players, right, and they deserve to be there. But it, it's turned into like one of those, which is, you know, yeah. that, that's, It sounds like a very dinosaur cake. I'm trying to make it. I'm not. I enjoy what the game is. I think the game's perfect where it is. It's just, it's just shitty when you look back and you're like, you think of like the Brian Leeches and the Nick Ledstroms, like the dominant defensemen of the day. And now those guys who are great players, like we have some dominant shutdown defensemen in this league. You can look at Pellick and Ryan Pulak and guys like that, or Jacob Slavin, who are a great shutdown defensemen who don't get mm-hmm. the burn publicly or you know nationally because what they do is they don't go around you know scoring hundred points from the blue line.
0: Great, nobody from the Atlantic Division on defense, nobody. Which, you know, maybe they figure that out with whatever the and the fan votes uh, who knows who knows they, i don't like i can't follow it anymore I don't trust fan it. votes and and pro bowls i don't trust it it's rigged skills competitions and we're doing a dunk tank it's just like what are we doing That's, with these you know i talked about rigged
1: I, voting it's the all, we should really be I, investigating become, the nhl all-star vote
0: i'm with you i've become an all-star game dinosaur with the mlb the home run derby is so sacred and like it's the only one that I think is is still any good from like an all star perspective, the NHL one stinks. Uh, whatever they're doing with the Pro Bowl next weekend, you're gonna see and just be like, what? Why are they playing dodgeball? Why are we flying kites? Why are we doing playing darts over here? Just have a my tie contest and see who gets. It. Like Travis Kelsey wins that. I don't know. Like I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, it makes sense because people aren't gonna play their fucking heart out and get hurt going into the off season in the middle of a season in the case of hockey and basketball, but like dunk contest shell, the dunk contest is a shell of itself. It's just, it, it, we're in an age where competition and like a million dollars is no longer enough to get people to play hard.
1: Well, you know what? I'm going to spin on this really quick. We're also in an era where, yeah, I just, I like the analogy of the NBA, right? Cause the dunk contest was so iconic with Jordan. Like yeah. we're, We're in an era now where, not specifically like jumping from the three free throw line like Jordan did, but like guys are doing that crazy shit in the game. So it kind of makes it stale. You know what? Because it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to see him with no defenders go up and do like a three sixty because Ron does that in the game, or you know John Morant does that in the game. So I think that you know, and you can extrapolate that over to the other sports as well. But like, I think that's part of it too. Or hockey, right? Like. We don't need to see a guy in the breakaway challenge with a, you know, a shooter tutor in the net go between the legs because Trevor Zegers fucking does the Michigan in a game, right. like at a ridiculous clip. So I think that's what it is too. Part of it, it loses luster because it's like they're not doing anything that special. So then it becomes comedy hour and you bring out like the guys from the hangover who like, like last year Alex the bring Cat in Vegas, you have the hangover thing and it's like, or Trevor Zegers with the dodgeball. Then it becomes like
0: Rowan and Martin's
1: laughing, laughing at the all star game.
0: Yeah, it's becoming like slapstick and this and that, and just it's the All Star Games. You know, I get what they are. They're sponsor parties and interviews and stuff like that. It's just like uh, we we don't even need the the games Mm -hmm. anymore. Do hardest shot. Do the quick release thing. But there's, it's just like I don't know. Go play golf. It's a, it's yeah. Just have like an NHL golf. out. Have a golf tournament. Have a golf day. Uh, Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, that's going to do it for us on Cold Stove today. NRD, anything else before we jump out of here on your end?
1: All good with me. We'll be back next week. Uh, No unforeseen trips planned in my future. Hopefully the same for you. And we will be back. Like you said, we're going to maybe get into that two-week season soon. Perfect.
0: I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Twitter and Instagram. That's NRD, a.k.a. NHL Rumors Daily, at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He ain't going anywhere, right? Not leaving. He's not leaving. We are Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Shoot us some questions, topics we need to cover next week. Looking forward to February Smoke season is officially here, and we'll see you guys. Uh, see you guys next week.
1: See you.